Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the first series of Help, I'm in my 20s a career development podcast where we hear stories of young professionals in many different careers. I'm Georgie, your host and creator of this podcast. My aim is that you will hear insights into various career paths that people are taking, hear the detail of how they got to where they are now and listen to key learnings from their experiences. So today's guest is a bit different to my other guests in this series. She is one of the very few people I know who knew from a young age what she wanted to do and has actually done it and now continues to do it and succeed in that area. We are welcoming Maria Jackson, brand manager of Snack Bars at a huge FMCG company. I met Maria a few years ago as she was the housemate of one of our other guests on the series and it's been so interesting to hear how she's progressed from starting on the graduate scheme to now and I think you'll enjoy hearing it too. So let's get started. Welcome, Maria, to Help I'm in My Twenties. Thank you for being here. No, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. <laughs> me too. How are you? No, I'm good, thanks. It's Thursday, close to the weekend. Very close. I've done actually, I think most of my recordings on like a Thursday and Friday and everyone's like, it's nearly there. It's nearly there. <laughs> Just be a consistent <laughs> theme throughout your broadcast recordings. Uh, I think so. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure what that says about me. I don't know. I mean, what does it say about all of us on a careers podcast? <laughs> I know. Hey, you've got to live as well. Of course, work-life balance. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited today to kind of chat through your career journey and hear more about how you got to where you are, how you're finding it, all of those things. But are you all right to just give a quick introduction to your career and kind of where you started and where you are now? So I guess I started back when I was a field sales development executive. Um, So on my uni placement in that role. So working in kind of frontline sales, um, driving around to basically 100 different retailers, selling off the back of the car. So quite um, a strong um, development and learning journey for me. Um, So embracing my journey in sales. So, yeah, that was really great. Um, I then returned back to university um, to do my final year um, at Lancaster studying business studies mm-hmm. um, and then came back to the company on the commercial graduate scheme. So I guess as part of that scheme, um, I've rotated across multiple different commercial roles. So that's included sales revenue planning, um, marketing and account management mm-hmm. and then rolled off the scheme slightly early to do um, an agile project for which I was the sales lead for and then once that finished I rejoined back into the marketing function into a junior brand manager role so for well-being biscuits mm-hmm. um, and then have recently in the past few weeks um, been promoted to brand manager snack bars so here we are today <laughs> oh congratulations that's so exciting and we were just talking you're in your your first two weeks so it can be a bit 
overwhelming and just learning so much new stuff in a new role so how's it been going? No I always find I mean it's a super exciting time right and I think I always reflect what someone told me probably when I first started my career actually in terms of the first three months and Mm. kind of how you're in a journey of it's super exciting you're learning loads of different um, loads of one and wonderful thing new things and then you hit the three-month curve and you're kind of like okay I've been in the role for a while it's super exciting maybe come mm-hmm. across some obstacles maybe go down the curve a little bit and then back up and you're at the six-month point and that's the point where you really feel like you know what you're doing really set it onto your role and start adding that value mm-hmm. and then continue kind of that journey across to the, the year so yeah definitely at that front stage where super exciting but lots more to learn so (laughs) feeling slightly tired but very energized from it at the same time slightly contradictory but all good (laughs) definitely good and definitely something that's good to hear that you're enjoying it so far as well so with I guess I've probably known from quite a young age that I wanted Mm. to go into um it was probably the more marketing function actually okay um so I think yeah I think from around the age of 13 I've always known that that's young no quite early and I mean it's not as if it was definite I knew the career path but I probably knew what I really enjoyed I think Mm. um back in the day when I was younger so um my sister's into fashion design and we always had this kind of running joke that you know she would be designing the clothes and I would Mm -hmm. kind of be doing the marketing for it I mean pipe on dream I'm definitely not in fashion at the moment um Mm -hmm. and but I mean equally exciting function of snacks but yeah I think there was always something within the creative selling something to consumers kind of advertising it out there I think Mm -hmm. another part of me always had a visions of what I wanted um so even silly stuff like you know trying to find a coat and I'd be like have this vision and I would find it or even want to create it myself and mm. so yeah that passion for yeah probably creating something m- marketing something and then probably my own personal softer skill sets of listening or quite a logical mindset of looking at data and what mm. that means so I think kind of what that meant for me is quite early on I knew the subjects that potentially I would want to study so mm yeah interesting consumers so um from I think from about high school I had the option to select business studies and quickly fell in love with it particularly the the topic of marketing and then when I had the opportunity to roll into college again ran with business studies but also selected um other social sciences such as economics psychology and sociology which is probably quite a brave move looking back on it. Mm-hmm. I think I remember being called in for like an interview to the college mm-hmm. um, and saying that typically they don't allow people to choose subjects, three of which that they've never studied before. And I had to kind of come with a rationale of got a really strong case of this and shown that mm-hmm. you've done the research and got a bit of passion. And I'm so glad that I kind of stuck to that, that gun because they were all something that I really enjoyed and probably something that I've translated since and Mm. yeah I think probably as I continued those studies and did so as well to my um, undergraduate degree yeah marketing was probably the one that really became passionate about and as I deep dived probably more so in the fast-moving consumer goods so that was definitely the area that I started to research um, when I was looking for placements Um, Mm. and so I think yeah it was definitely within that function and I think whilst I tried to be specific on marketing um, I knew that there was probably some transferable skills that I could get from other functions as well so mm-hmm. I think an overarching commercial was something that I was open to and to be honest when I was looking at the role that I did for my internship I probably didn't know what I was getting myself in, in for I mean it sounded really exciting yeah. um the fast-moving consumer goods I mean can't go wrong with chocolate um mm-hmm. that wasn't quite sure what the role would look like the first three months of t- in that curve that I spoke about were definitely mm. a, a journey and a and a challenge but I, I learned so much and that yeah they're probably skills that I still kind of tap into every day now and I think probably at the end of that I, I managed to have a few discussions with the commercial graduates at the time I remember yeah one of the girls speaking about the role she was doing at marketing I was like I definitely want to go and do that scheme okay. like that is something that I definitely want to go and reapply for so yeah tried to work really hard in my fourth year to be able to come back to that so basically all things were pointing towards marketing you maybe did to turn some other things but always came back to it so 100%. if someone because 
we've I think we've all heard marketing but if someone isn't really sure exactly what it is how would you describe it it has a range of <laughs> different topics which mm. is probably maybe why I enjoy it so much like every day looks different so it could be kind of shaping the future strategy of a brand um, and okay. so whether that be looking at a pipeline of different new products that we're going to launch looking at elements of redesign you know how do we really tap into that brand purpose mm. um, then I guess there's an element of um above the line and below the line campaigns so are we going to go live on social digital um or is it going to be more of kind of an in-store activation okay. um and then there's probably an element of yeah financial st- stability as well like ultimately we're mm. in a business so how do we make sure that these products are financially as sustainable as possible so that we can continue to enjoy them so <laughs> yeah a, a breadth of different things to look at but all really exciting yeah I think that's really nice having quite a variety of things to do as well it's not just mm. the same thing every single day the same challenges every single time um you get to have completely new experiences as time goes on and I think that's one thing that I find quite interesting is like things like you know TikTok that's sort of a, a black hole to me I, I don't really understand it but in marketing you've got to just constantly be learning all of these new different channels to find people in which I mean, I don't know if you have TikTok, but it's definitely a space that I just don't really understand. And to be honest, haven't really tried to. Um, but I think with marketing, that is what you get because things move so fast. You then need to adapt to those so fast as well. <laughs> no, 100%. And you say that you're you're not in marketing and don't understand the world of TikTok. To be honest, I had to join it to understand what was going on <laughs> and assess whether that was an area that would be right for my brands to play or 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 not. So yeah, mm. I think you're right. Constantly having to pivot to make sure that you're present on all the different um, platforms or mm. yeah, responding in different ways to yeah, how a brand speaking, how are they yeah becoming more personable, authentic? Yeah, how do we show up in different designs like are they modern enough like have we done enough with the brand yeah so constantly an ever-changing world but completely what makes exciting yeah that's great and I mean starting to know what you wanted to do when you were 13 even knowing you know I want this particular style of coat I'm you know in my late 20s I still don't know (laughs) at all like what clothes I want (laughs) or anything like that I, I don't if, if I'm like, okay, I want to get a coat, then I'll be like, okay, now let me go look at all of the coats. <laughs> I wouldn't like narrow it down. I'm not so I mean, good at that. <laughs> that is probably a perk. I, I don't think my mum was too impressed with me back in the day when um, <laughs> I would uh, not settle at anything less than my vision, but <laughs> try to strive for, yeah, what, what I view with, um, yeah, what I would quite like. I so like as well that with your sister, you would play almost like play business plans kind of to <laughs> I know that no, doesn't sound as exciting but you know you're just like kind of playing different scenarios in terms of like okay if we're doing marketing for this or if we were trying to go down this route I think that's quite nice definitely and it's what gave you maybe an edge over someone else as well because you're already starting to actively talk about it you said when you went to college you had to kind of persuade then why you wanted to do those subjects and you already had such a vision that it was maybe easier to talk about because you're used to talking about it but yeah I mean I find I think that's pretty amazing personally because I'm not that (laughs) I I personally like the opposite and that I still don't know but how did you know and I know that there was lots of things pointing you towards marketing but now that you're there as well how do you know that it's what you want to do I know it's such a good question isn't it and it's made me reflect (laughs) but I think my initial response probably would be to that is is the the effort and the hard work that I'm putting in giving Mm. me a level of reward that I feel justifies that effort so I think there's probably some days isn't there where you have to you do have to work above and beyond the nine Mm. to five yeah but am I getting enjoyment out of it, whether that be in the short term in the moment, or I can see a long-term reward from it. Mm. And at the moment I am. Um, So I think that's maybe, yeah, a place that I would kind of say when I've, yeah, I know that I'm in the right area. Yeah. If it's giving you that sort of work satisfaction, then that's got to be a huge bonus. Definitely. Well, see, yeah, because I mean, I get that from my work, but I still, I don't feel like I know. So I'm not sure 
if that's just will I ever know I'm not sure we'll find out I suppose in some sort of life but that's also one of the reasons I've done this podcast is so I can hear different people's perspectives on their careers and see how you know they've got to where they are how their different experiences have kind of shaped where they are and what they might want to do in the future so we've kind of gone through your field sales experience which I think they definitely throw you in the deep end by you know as a in your internship just saying okay off you go go and sell to our retailers how did you find that like in person I mean yeah I was I look back on it now and I was 19 Mm -hmm. um they delivered gosh the the biggest car it was like a Renault Grand Scenic (laughs) I honestly looked like I was a mum with three kids and a dog in the back because it had like a cage to stop the chocolate from flying through. And (laughs) I I was given a hundred different retailers that I needed to visit either on a six weekly or three weekly um, basis. Um, It was a sales ground. So for context, I think I drove about 30,000 miles throughout my whole year internship. So quite intensive. and yeah, my sales ground had been vacant for 18 months. Um, so the customers that I was visiting were, yes, yeah, some of them were pretty annoyed that they hadn't had representation for a while. So mm. um, I wasn't coming into the best environment straight away. I remember my first day, I, I got kicked out of seven shops and I honestly oh sat gosh. in my car and I was like, what am I doing here? Like, this is awful. But, and I think that probably makes me think and reflect on, skill set and how I could bring it straight away I think my natural traits probably didn't show up until that that three month mark I'm definitely someone that likes to build relationships so Mm. those first meetings of not knowing someone and trying to get them to buy off me was challenge on the offset but Mm. I think I remember this one there's this one retailer in particular and I will always like remember it and I always look back on it as an example of like Mm. building relationships and and knowing that I was kind of starting to make that transition into adding value but um he kind of looked at me he was a six-weekly customer and he was like look I'm happy for you to come into the shop and do your thing but I'm not going to buy from you and I probably won't talk to you and he wouldn't even look at me when I was in the store and so I made a point of he was on my route home so I made a point of visiting him every three weeks to kind of build that relationship I think it took a couple of visits and at one point he was just kind of like so what have you got on your car today so slowly spoke him through you know Mm. what was on offer and fortunately for me it was kind of like a half case option so you know it wouldn't have been a massive investment for him and um mm. so he was like okay I, like I'll, I'll give it a go um so I set it up on his counterpoint um no real pressure there um and then the next time I visited he was like sold through super quickly like what have you got this time and he ended up buying <laughs> being a customer that would buy some of my biggest case deals but I think it was just like putting in the effort to build those relationships and mm um yeah go above and beyond to um yeah build the connections and and sell like that but I think yeah that's something that's learning the value of building relationships and why translate into any other role so while sales is maybe not necessarily where I see myself going in the future it's definitely something that yeah translating those skills or or taking learnings from it or Mm. um making a role work for you you like maybe necessarily at the beginning it's not great but yeah what can you do to kind of get the most out of it well you took that extra initiative to say okay these this person isn't feeling valued he knows Mm -hmm. that I'm on like a six week I'm going to take that initiative to go that extra effort to go every three weeks and you know it's on your way home it's not necessarily like a huge um I guess it's just time for you um Mm -hmm. kind of going through although sounds like you're quite busy if you're seeing 100 retailers every (laughs) three weeks but um I think it's you took that extra effort and it paid off in the end which was always a nice story yeah by the end of it then I really enjoyed my role so Mm. yeah doing that bit at the upfront going through that curve probably ultimately helped me in the long run which is always good Mm. (laughs) I feel like I then earned my stripes to be able to you know go out into um 
the office world and you know understand the, the absolute foundations of the business and um all those different points so going through that certainly helped <laughs> yeah it definitely it helps to build the resilience as well I'm mm. sure resilience is a good word <laughs> yeah <laughs> so coming going back to university then for another year and then you ended up on the uh, go for the commercial graduate scheme at the same company so yeah. and I know you had different rotations so what did you do first as part of that um, so my first role was um, revenue planning. So effectively, yeah, um, managing kind of um, different customers, like promotions from an internal perspective, kind of approving, make sure that they're like financially sustainable mm-hmm. um, actively seeking kind of opportunities of how we could grow the portfolio um, further. Um, and then probably doing a bit of like, internal storytelling on you know how we're tracking against our full year forecast Mm. um opportunities that we could take to kind of bridge that or grow it further and then yeah build future forecasts um for the upcoming years so yeah managing that key stakeholders so presenting top line stories to Mm. to senior stakeholders which yeah also was probably a journey um doing that from quite a young age and and being confident enough in the knowledge that I knew um to be able to present that how long was um each rotation so each rotation was a year okay so, yeah fairly long grad scheme so three years in total mm. yeah so I mean on the podcast your old housemate she's saying how <laughs> her, her nine months and she said the first few months like you were totally crazy really overwhelming like so much to learn the next three months was embedding that and kind of using the skills and then the last three months you were like finally like okay it's going okay now I'm doing quite well did you find that quite similar like towards the end you're like I'm smashing this role it's going really well (laughs) I wanted to say smashing hopefully I got to that point (laughs) um but no yes certainly found that yeah the three months kind of introduction six months kind of yeah know what I was doing Mm. and then hopefully add value in the remaining six months so I think yeah adding value to that year point but what's been quite interesting rolling off it since is kind of needing to lap yourself um (laughs) so doing above and beyond the year so yes you can grow a portfolio but can you do it again (laughs) so that's really interesting each time so yeah and then at the end of each year essentially you just start afresh somewhere else so what was your second rotation brand executive um, so yeah, the move into marketing. So working on yeah, a bit more of a premium brand, um, which was yeah, really interesting. I think operating in a big global business and mm. you know, usually these deliver huge volumes and revenues. Like, how do you as a smaller brand um kind of meet the hurdles and expectations um, but also still play in that premium niche space? So mm. learned a lot there. Lower budgets, but actually consistently throughout the career I'm finding that actually those lower budget brands which may not necessarily always be the sexiest is where I'm I can learn a lot more so yeah yeah, it's been a super exciting space it's a bit more of a challenge so what kind of things do you think you took away from that time in that second rotation yeah I think um yes starting to genuinely probably the first that would be the first time that I've genuinely done a marketing role so affirming that that is kind of passion point (laughs) I do enjoy it (laughs) um how to operate as a nimble or nimble as you can brand um within a global organization um so that was really interesting and then that year actually was probably the year that I met you um Mm. and there was an interesting opportunity um at the end of it to kind of go completely outside of the day job um and (laughs) yes um pitch a new opportunity and that could be whatever you wanted it to be whether that's an activation or a new product um and the the winning one um which yeah so you need to present to loads of what what they called the dragons um okay a series of dragons (laughs) um pitches um and then the winning kind of um idea got to pitch in Zurich so yeah definitely outside the day job and got to travel there which (laughs) was something a bit different and that really affirmed the passion for marketing there. So was that offered to kind of people on the graduate scheme was it just for anyone across the company? Yeah so that was opened up um so to the UK marketing so um 
just the marketing function, but the total marketing function. So yeah, we needed to submit an idea initially um, in the, the characters of a tweet. So 140 okay. characters <laughs> oh to explain gosh. what our idea would be. <laughs> um, then we got invited to almost a bit of a boot camp um, to almost learn how to pitch or how to frame a pitch okay. um, <laughs> and really bounce around our idea. Um, then we presented to the dragons um, and then I think about 10 finalists got through. Okay. Then Incl to four and then we went to Zurich. So mm. four of you went over to Zurich. Yeah, which is really exciting head office. So head office. yeah, I think was it the, was it the CEO you were presenting or like quite senior people? It must have been, I assume. Yeah. Um, gosh, how high did it go? Definitely to like president level um, wow. of loads okay. of different functions. So yeah, gosh. across marketing, R and D, supply chain. Mm. Um, yeah, Northern Europe president. Yeah, really broad. So, gosh, was that quite curve, intimidating? But intimidating but again it's probably touching on that passion point isn't it when you're mm. something when you're really excited about something yes I was nervous but yeah Ready excitement came across and yeah really rewarding from it it's probably something yeah potentially one of my biggest highlights of the grad scheme even though that was something outside what the typical scheme had to offer <laughs> I mean that's really impressive if you've been in the company for I mean, it must have been what a year and a half to two, <laughs> to two years and you're pitching an idea which you've got into the top four, if not, you know, even better to the super senior people in HQ. It's very impressive. I know. <laughs> Madness, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great and what an experience. So do you know what, um, I guess, with the ideas, did is it like the winning idea? Does that become an actual product or do they take, take maybe a couple? Yeah, so I think ultimately, I hate doing stuff to my own horn. So my idea came the winning one. Um, okay, I wasn't sure. I was going <laughs> to ask, but I didn't want to be like, oh no. <laughs> In my back of my head, I thought you had one, but I couldn't really remember. But congratulations, because you won. <laughs> back in a year ago. Um, <laughs> but no, it was super exciting. So yeah, I think when we came back, it was about how we could run a trial. So um, my idea mm -hmm. was to run um, kind of a, a voice activation. So with, as you said about um, TikTok, like so yeah. the rise of Alexis was happening. So okay. how did we make our voice something that's recognizable on these platforms? Like how could we make ourselves available um, for purchase? Um, so when I came back, worked really closely with the e-commerce team on how we could create something that was even just a pilot run. It became a test and learn. and something that they definitely had more expertise in in the end so um but it was great to be a part of that initial journey but mm. to be honest all four ideas were really strong and I think to be honest I think all of them have been explored if not activated so yeah really great that's to great. be a part of yeah I mean that's incredible so not only were you top four you actually won the whole thing <laughs> and then got to be able to do you know that development process which is amazing well, congratulations yeah, really great <laughs> and then was it sort of back to the day job after after that yeah back to the day job and I think that was probably the movement into um frontline sales then so okay. back into sales from final year um of right. graduate um so account management and again probably another learning curve I think really enjoyed the role um, probably more so than I was expecting and um, mm. different way of operating in frontline sales versus what I've done in field sales so we're quite an established grocer be speaking over email probably most times negotiating mm. different like promotions feature spaces um MPD launches so yeah really great to kind of have those conversations and so mm. worked alongside with senior um, account manager which also gave me the visibility of being able to negotiate with a senior buyer as well which mm. I think knowing that sales potentially isn't something that I would go into long term it's definitely good to get that experience probably like early on in my career so I could have visibility of that which I think has helped probably from marketing being able to understand the kind of strategy or plans that you're putting in place and how that gets mm. translated across the sales teams and kind of know what they'll be working on um, yeah. when that gets presented so definitely appreciation for that and definitely like almost different buyer challenges as well like the kind of things almost preempting it when you're doing your selling plans and how can you overcome mm. it before that or 
Mm -hmm. um, appreciating some of the challenges of negotiations that some of them are going through and how you can work together as a team to either mitigate it or mm. yeah overcome it so so yeah. in my some of my dealings with procurement um kind of working with suppliers one thing that I'll always remember um they call it the thank and bank and it's essentially if it's something is offered up by a supplier you immediately say thank you very much we'll take like kind of yeah. we'll take that write that down it's just like even if it's an offhand comment you kind of get it in writing and get it in the minutes yeah <laughs> so you know that you've actually got it completely but so just oh. making sure that you're not passing up those kind of opportunities and to be honest I don't have very uh intense negotiations as part of my job but I've always remembered that and who knows maybe it'll be useful in the future <laughs> yeah it could be I wish I'd named that praise back in the day <laughs> yeah. I mean I'm not sure if it works at all, actually really um, I feel like I definitely did a bit of that so <laughs> you just kind of acknowledge that what they've said which is the best thing rather than it just being like a fleeting comment and then from there that was the end of your graduate scheme end of my graduate scheme yeah um, so rotated again, stayed in sales, um, mm. but on a new kind of venture. So moved into an agile project was probably um, a completely different way of operating. So um, it was almost using like the agile sprints. So a kind of project management agile working. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So a new way of working in terms of all the functions being involved at an early stage. So mm. how could um, I as the sales lead work and collaborate with customers from an, an early process and kind of get their thoughts into developing the new product, like okay. um, feedback from things from pricing to even like design um, mm. and get their thoughts on, on activating. I think really interesting journey of how a big big business kind of operates in an agile hmm. way um and yeah definitely a massive learning curve for me it's completely not something that I'd ever done before um hmm. probably an area where I learned a lot about myself <laughs> and how do I in that fast-moving world ask for help not get overwhelmed pivot yeah really quickly um and yeah all all things that I've taken into um roles that I've done since so mm. I think it's a... definitely easy from what Botox Cosmetic out of botulinum toxin A FDA approved for over 20 years so talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you for full prescribing information including boxed warning visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash post. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. 
like it sounds I don't know it sounds a bit strange to say you get emotionally invested but you do because your efforts gone into it all of your time you 100%. generally like the idea um and then when people are just quick say okay that's not work we'll go to the next thing that could be quite difficult I think yeah 100%. that was my idea <laughs> exactly <laughs> um that's I did that's really good and then but you were brought off the graduate scheme early for that was that I mean that must be a testament to how well you've been working um yeah I hope so um so yeah <laughs> came off about nine months for that one so yeah. um yeah I think element of sales experience worked on that brand before um but probably opportunity to kind of rotate I think the account that I was on was in a fairly good position so mm. all the very various different factors I think that led to that but no Did you really apply for it? experience um no actually so it was probably one of the roles that um yeah didn't have to do any application just probably rotated within a week of knowing about it um to (laughs) to moving so um unfortunately my internet died so I had to just change rooms so it might sound a little bit different um so very sorry about that um (laughs) but separately um I think I was just asking how long you were on that agile project for and then until you started your next role yeah so um I think initial intention was for the agile project to be about six months um and in the end ended up being about nine um so yeah again shorter than the year um mm. but the curve has probably accelerated versus that normal three months <laughs> six yeah. months a year curve mm-hmm. um so no absolutely learned a lot um before transitioning into marketing and I think a period of that I was double hatting which is quite interesting when you're on an agile project but also at the same time doing a non agile role I think the mindset of the two is really different and how to balance that was Mm. um a learning but definitely something that yeah I've probably taken away in how I prioritize or do tasks in the day-to-day or balance a busy day of loads (laughs) of different things going on so um yeah whilst overwhelming at times I think yeah definitely a learning I can imagine that like going at you know 10 miles an hour there's another one going at like 30 miles an hour and you're having to juggle that throughout the same day (laughs) that must be very intense (laughs) 100 percent. did you find that with your kind of the uh, non-agile role you were trying to get people to hurry up a little bit you know to try and be like come on I needed this yesterday (laughs) yeah it's hard isn't it Um, to think of that new mindset but I think it it definitely gave me the thinkings in where are the areas that we can kind of cut down time or mm-hmm. what would need to happen to get to that time. So yeah. it, it almost gave me the learnings in, yeah, where you could make more efficiencies or mm-hmm. how you could prioritise tasks and different things. But yeah, the speed of time is definitely a bit different versus the standards. So <laughs> getting the two perspectives, um, yeah, was important. Mm. So then you went to, so as sales lead, so nine months, and then you went back to marketing. Mm-hmm. So as junior brand manager, is that right? Yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, junior brand manager um, for wellbeing, but looking after two, maybe what we'd call tertiary brands. So not necessarily, initially, not necessarily what you'd refer to as the most glam or big budget um I think one of which was in double digit decline and had been for a couple of years right um and the other was in growth um but we'd not really done much with it um and we didn't have plans that were in shape but Mm. I think what that gave me was an opportunity to like dive back into the fundamentals on Mm. you know what do we need to do to turn around that decline or you know what can we do to continue that growth momentum so if it's been growing without support what what could it do with it so Mm. I think throughout that experience it's probably one of the best brands brand years that I could have asked for it's like um, throughout that yeah got opportunities to do all the elements that I was talking about before so like the financial sustainability like how do you go back to the promotions that work like um what can you do to kind of yeah make it more robust from that perspective how do you reinvest some of the profit to do that growth driving initiatives 
Um, how do you redesign the brand to make it a little bit more relevant? Um, how do you activate it? How do I pitch it so that it can get that above the line support? Um, how do I really go above and beyond with the budget that I have got, which is probably 10% of what some of the big brands mm-hmm. have. So yeah, definitely being able to yeah learn how to make the most of what was available. So yeah, core and ground marketing. So yeah, I, I learned a lot from that year. So mm. really great. But that was off the graduate scheme, wasn't it? That was kind of like a permanent role. And then it just so happened that it was a year when you, I guess, then applied to your current role. Yeah, exactly. And actually, um, probably, it probably came up to a year and a half, maybe even just over in that one. Um, okay. So I did manage to get the opportunity to lap myself, which is <laughs> um, interesting. Glad I was able to do that. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, I, I guess after the year, um, I did have a bit of switch arounds with brands. So um, another brand came into my portfolio that did have a bit of bigger budget and exposure to those bigger comms plans, which was great because I guess that was a, a gap in my development. Um, and then, yes, yeah, since then, um, taken on one of the brands and, and brought two others into my portfolio. Um, so, yeah, all exciting. <laughs> okay, so you had to, I guess, go through the whole application process. Did you have to interview and... Would other people externally have been applying for that role as well? Um, No, so it was um, posted internally um, and, yeah, um, had to to go through the internal submission and interview process. Um, So, yeah, it was probably quite interesting because previous roles that I've interviewed for and interviewed for on the grad scheme, it was almost that was, they were roles that, even though I might have had a preference, I was always guaranteed a role. Mm. Whereas this one was an interview for something that I might not necessarily have got. Um, mm. So that was really interesting. Probably an, another different shape of interview um, since what I'd done prior to being on the grad scheme or internship scheme. So, How do you prepare for interviews? Do you get quite stressed out or are you quite you know do you have like the plan of action and it's all calm and you yeah, know exactly what you're going to do stressed out mm. but it's hard isn't it especially if it's a job that you really want um mm. yeah but typically preparation is asking myself is this something that I genuinely want to go for like mm. is this something that I'm going to enjoy is it gonna, is it going to be something that's going to add to my development and then probably taking a look out of all the years so I, I almost half enjoy interviews in the sense that it gives you that time to reflect. I think Mm. probably one of the bad things that don't celebrate the wins necessarily as much as I should, whereas like interviews are that time to have a look (laughs) and go, okay, that was, that was quite good. And I can kind of shout about that and talk about Mm. myself and it is the time to do that. Um, So in that sense, they're really nice. And I think, yeah, when you know it's something that you want to go for and it's something that you genuinely believe that you can do, I think takes away the stress a little bit <laughs> yeah definitely. Um, yeah so in terms of, of prep I would just like look over the past few years kind of look at um the wins that I've had a couple of examples that I want to call out um kind of look at the the values of the company or like the responsibilities of the role almost like preempt mm. examples that could best fit to that um and then try to enjoy it as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> so do you kind of remember your wins or do you keep a record of them? Yes, yeah, so I guess have career highlights and wins, but much like interviews, I guess like mid-year reviews or end-year mm. reviews are really good time to, yeah, collate them um, and hear about feedback and stuff. Um, mm. But it's definitely something that I should probably try and do more of, like celebrate more of the little wins and yeah not kind of exhaust myself to this final top of the mountain win like celebrate the ones Mm. the wins that it takes to get there (laughs) yeah I think that's I mean I think it's probably a thing that lots of people don't do too much but I think we could all be very focused on the end game when actually you might be doing some really great things year on year you know month on month that you're like okay well obviously I'm gonna do that that's kind of just part of the parcel but actually it's good to remember that maybe not everyone would approach it in that way and not have achieved what you've done I mean 
definitely not everyone's achieved you know winning the competition that he did um but that's you know one huge example I suppose but there must be so many small wins that you and many people have as they kind of go through their careers 100% I think we're of that generation aren't we that we want to be winning and and adding value straight away and sometimes we can be so focused on that end goal and if that end goal doesn't necessarily come to fruition it almost feels like it's a massive failure Mm. and you kind of reflect on that but actually if you took a step back and looked on the wins throughout the way Mm. um yeah there's probably loads to celebrate but and I'm equally as guilty of it it feels so exhausting and sometimes if something's not necessarily gone to plan but actually you've learned a lot or achieved a lot um yeah exactly on the journey it's so interesting I was listening to um a podcast yesterday which I think you listened to as well the diary of a CEO with um Stephen Bartlett (laughs) and he was speaking to I forgot his name but it's like um uh, ex tennis table tennis Olympian and now like a motivational speaker and they were talking about I have listened to this one (laughs) I listened to that yesterday and they were talking about um how people want to be famous like that was their career aim and he was like okay well yeah what about if you did something really well that made you famous but that step of actually doing the work and doing the the bit that gets you famous you know maybe you're like a famous movie director or whatever they have done something that's made them famous but actually now lots of people just want to be famous without having that reason for being famous necessarily or earned it exactly and I think Mm -hmm. that's again maybe it's kind of like a different way of thinking about it but people want the end result without having you know maybe skipping that little step and I mean I definitely want to be certain places in my life that is in the next five years or so which some are probably realistic some probably not but (laughs) (laughs) depending on what I'm doing right now but um yeah it's definitely I wonder if it is a cultural thing you know as we've been growing up with seeing just famous people all the time on social media all that kind of thing cultural generational we're definitely at the the time in the world where we can have everything at our fingertips so mm. it's almost like well if I can order food straight away from my phone or get this piece of information straight away from my phone or yeah why can I not be <laughs> CEO by 25 exactly why not <laughs> everyone could be like a CEO of their own company and no one would be an employee <laughs> exactly make it happen I mean that's good so one thing that we spoke about a bit which I'd love to kind of delve into a bit more is that um you mentioned that you're an introvert um kind of when Mm. we've been talking and just before we spoke I was like looking online about differences Mm. between like introverts extroverts and there's to be honest a lot of rubbish on the the internet because I know that I'm a well from doing like Myers-Briggs I'm an extrovert on that kind of scale but it's like an extrovert they hate being alone and I was like hang on a minute I love like having my own space and having my time alone but I also love being around people but not you know all of everything all the time so there's Mm. a lot of generalizations I think so and we've spoken a bit about how being an introvert has kind of made you have to approach different situations in a different way and maybe force yourself to approach things in a different way to what you would naturally feel comfortable doing as well so do you have any examples of where you've maybe found that or found it really good or maybe a bit of a challenge sometimes as well yeah 100% and it probably it maybe leans into some points that I've touched on say field sales but definitely throughout other points in my career as well and I think as you said, there's a lot of um, generalizations um, yeah. online on yeah, sometimes like you see the p- portrayal of to be successful, you have to be an extrovert. You have to be talking a lot and sharing your opinion <laughs> constantly. And even at like mid years, it would probably be a, a thing that would most commonly feed into my feedback. Like you're not speaking a lot in meetings or um, sometimes your point of view doesn't come across straight away, but so yeah some of the like career feedbacks that I get would be you know, challenge yourself to kind of speak in the first three minutes and I'd just be like talking and then just in my head be like okay I need to speak after three minutes like put my point across and then afterwards I'd be like why have I said that I've like not 
added value like I've not mm. done it I've not thought out what I was going to say it hasn't come across in the framing that I would want to do or I've kind of not reflected on it properly um mm. but I think as I kind of continue into the world of business and learning a little bit more about myself and yeah how I can bring myself to work I, I feel a lot more comfortable now to yes definitely I, I should not be using introversion as an excuse to not bring my point of view in the room um but to do it in a way that's authentic so give my time myself time to to listen build the relationships um so that I feel comfortable to do so but also yeah allow myself to reflect on something that I've heard to be able to actually make a contribution or mm-hmm. um yeah to, to give my point of view um and I guess the the thing that I'm working on at the moment in terms of development is how do I make that transition shorter so how do I feel comfortable more early on to do that um how do I yeah build those relationships early so I feel comfortable in a room how can I yes reflect but almost lean on examples that I've had before so that I can reflect but also giving the moment feedback on quick thinking and not be afraid to say okay this is my initial thoughts but I'm going to take it away and I may come back um another point um and yeah I think so it's definitely a, a journey that I'm I'm still on but yeah it's something how do I um not let that introversion be a barrier um how do I stay true to myself and actually know that you know, this is the way that I operate best and it's not necessarily going to be the stereotypical extroversion way, but I've still got something to offer. <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely interesting, like how you've been told and also that maybe you feel that you have to be more extrovert mm-hmm. as well. Like I, when I first started in my role, I remember being said, oh, you don't speak much in meetings. And I was like, well, I don't have a point to say yet because I don't know yeah. enough so I was like okay I'll try and do some more and now to be honest I'm I yeah I'm quite quick to answer things a lot of the time <laughs> um but I think I think it's kind of a shame that there is that pressure maybe to be mm. quicker to be you know you just got to say something and like you say you're not actually necessarily saying something that is the most effective way of saying it or maybe even the answer that you would give five minutes later, 10 minutes later, so whatever it is, or, you know, the next day, it's, yeah. I kind of think it's a bit of a shame that it's been pushed in that direction. Do you notice it a lot? Like with, I mean, do you notice who around the room might be an introvert, extrovert? Is that something that you would see in a meeting or is it, you know, you just know for yourself? Yeah. And I think it's probably something as, yeah natural introvert style I do take that moment to step back reflect view the room um so I can usually pick up on some of those things and I guess how in some cases how I've um started to work with like mentees but um I think it's interesting yes at the beginning of my career I probably found more of that you know pressure to be extrovert but I've noticed that actually there's probably a lot more buzzwords at the moment like bringing your true self to work and Mm -hmm. I think whilst I'm finding who I am as well I think businesses are also finding like how do we bring all the different types of personalities and make sure that yeah Mm. we all add value in that different way because it's not extroversion isn't necessarily bad thing or good thing and same with introversion so yeah I agree yeah definitely and I think having like I mean in my team at work I'm the only extrovert (laughs) all of us and I mean we work in like consumer behavior so obviously we've all done the psychometric tests and all of that but um yeah I remember there was a graduate who was an extrovert and I was like oh someone else (laughs) but like it's not (laughs) we can vibe (laughs) I think kind of but I mean to be honest it really didn't make like a difference to the team as a whole and you know we're I mean we're a close team so we all you know trust what we have that relationship built we will trust what each other says and do you I think you mentioned like building that relationship makes it easier maybe to then feel maybe comfortable saying what you want to say at a right point as well 100% I think yeah where I'm at best I would probably say you know I've got really strong working relationships I can collaborate with people give my point of view but also hear theirs like yep listen challenge opinions be a supportive network, have a bit of fun, um, 
give like a, a pragmatic response. But if I'm in an unfamiliar situation, whether that be in business or with unfamiliar people, mm. um, what can sometimes happen is like a manifestations of like what I would call confidence gremlins. So that that fear of failure, that fear of not knowing enough, um, that fear that someone's going to judge me for all of those things. Um, and that can translate into, yeah, not offering my point of view, um, even though I might know deep down fears that someone's going to be like, that's not right. You don't know mm. anything. Or um, it could be that I don't ask questions to kind of um, solidify that understanding or yeah, um, yeah so it, it translates in quite a few of those ways. So I guess now what I'm working on is how can I build those relationships early doors outside of meetings or lean on people I do know or lean on past experiences so that even if a scenario or someone's different, how can I make that as familiar as possible to be my best? Yeah, quite early on and yeah, share those tips with others. <laughs> and you mentioned that you are mentoring and coaching now. And I think is that part of like a company scheme, I think. Yeah, and I think um, the company really good in that, you know, um, especially as graduates, we're allocated like a mentor um, from okay. the get go. I was really lucky that I got on with mine. Um mm had a really good relationship and she may not be someone that I necessarily speak to every day or even every month um mm. but someone that I know that I could lean on if I needed it um also um very privileged enough to be coached to kind of work through some of those like introversion elements but mm. I think the mentees that I work with I wasn't actually like giving them on a scheme I think okay. one of the girls I noticed that she was kind of pre a presentation like panicking and like overworking and really reading the script so that she could practice it recitally and I was like I just recognize this this trait so much like mm. overworking so that you do know enough to be able to contribute or do your best um so yeah we've had a couple of catch-ups and yeah how can she be a bit more comfortable how can I share my learnings which are necessarily at the best they can be I'm still on a journey myself but yeah to help her feel comfortable and confident and comfortable enough um yeah to bring her natural trait to um, work as well. I think that's so great that you recognise something in her, but also recognise that you had some value to give her as well, so that she mm. is then helpful and hopefully, you know, someone that she'll pass on to someone else. So do you find so. mentoring, coaching quite, you know, that is a lot of value to you. Does it make your work more enjoyable? It's really rewarding. I definitely find that that is something that I get a lot out of so mm. I guess at the beginning we were probably talking about like passion points and how do, yeah your effort you put in and you get it out how do you find stuff in your day-to-day -day that yeah gives you that element of enjoyment so mm. even if it wasn't my day job what I what can I do above and be, beyond my day job that I'm going to get mm. that passion out of as well so mentoring isn't part of my day job but it's something that I'm more than happy even if it was outside of like work times or to to work beyond that so that I could do that um mm yeah something that I'm happy to dedicate that time to that's great and people will benefit from it as well which is even better so, let's hope <laughs> absolutely well they wouldn't you wouldn't have you wouldn't be speaking to them if they didn't find it valuable so True. I think that's great so you've I guess I could have preempted some of the questions that I'm going to ask at the end of kind of each podcast but so we'll start with the kind of more positive and it may be what we've just spoken about. It might be something else, but what has been the best thing as part of your career or it could be as part of your just working life to date? Yeah, I think we probably touched on a few of them, but yeah, I think highlights would be, you know, um, joining brands that maybe initially I wasn't so excited about, but actually, mm -hmm finding a true passion for them and being able to turn them around and genuinely feel like I've added value and really, yeah, mm. enjoy that day to day. Um, I think the another was probably outside of the day to day. So that Ignite project and mm. yeah, the added bonus of being able to go to HQ and, and, and pitch an idea that not necessarily is in your normal full year planning. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, probably we touched on it and yeah, how do I share my learnings and yeah if it helps someone or one person um above and beyond the day that was definitely a highlight 
yeah make you feel really good as well so and then conversely what would be the hardest thing or the most difficult thing as part of your career or maybe even it could be you know your last role it could be the whole breadth of your career it's up to you if I look at the whole of the career and I could probably call out a few so whether that be field sales mm. some of my sales roles or the agile projects those first three months in them that I've yeah been in that unfamiliar zone or mm. um maybe not not necessarily just not sales maybe marketing as well and um how do I work through the unfamiliar um mm. not feel that pressure to be able to deliver straight away ask for help <laughs> um and then yeah come through the other side so yeah definitely probably a few consistent themes there but that's definitely mm. been the hardest and a journey that I'm still working on <laughs> well it sounds like every single role that you get it's the first three months which I don't think that will necessarily change each time but you can I think it's difficult for everyone but you can you know find different ways to cope yeah and I have found that yeah each of the transitions have probably been less of a shock each time like how Mm. do I take the learnings from the previous ones how do I learn on past experiences that I can translate yeah to make that um, a smoother process (laughs) and then looking to the future I mean you've just started your new role but how would you want or how do you think that your kind of career will develop over the next well it's up to you it could be six months five months (laughs) 20 years (laughs) almost that maybe to the point of working towards the mountain I wouldn't necessarily say anymore that I've got a fixed place that I can definitely see myself being okay um I'd probably like to see myself in marketing I think I'm enjoying at the moment so Mm. in some sense I think that that is somewhere that I could see myself staying um but I think it's just about yeah continuing to find roles that I enjoy um and that stretch and develop me so Mm. yeah continually looking at the gaps that I've got from a development perspective um but also yeah where can I find a passion or or potentially what skills have I got to offer that I can add value and really find that enjoyment so yeah I feel like I'm finally at the point where I won't put pressure on myself to say one fixed role by a certain point um but yeah find that enjoyment and stretch brilliant and then if someone would make was maybe wanting to get into marketing or maybe even sales or fmcg how what advice would you give them maybe a couple of couple of thoughts and learnings that i've got is that we've touched on um maybe follow your passion not the Mm -hmm. grade so sometimes a role might come up that yeah might be the promotion but reflect on it um is that something that you're genuinely going to enjoy is that something that's going to give you the learnings to progress in the future um Mm. assess that um I think um a role is what you make it so yeah you might not necessarily think this is going to be the amazing role but I think you can shape it into whatever you want it to be so for me Mm. whether sales is that necessarily something I'm going to go into long term? Maybe not. Have I learned a lot from it? Can I translate it into this one? Yeah. Um, smaller brands. Did I think that that was going to be amazing? Maybe not. But did I mm-hmm. actually have some of the best years? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I think probably final ones like, yeah, have confidence in leadership style and how you can bring value to work. But yeah, I think getting experiences that you're, yeah able to find what your passion is um, and understand what your leadership style is and yeah get as many of those as possible early doors that you can kind of push for in the future that's brilliant I think you've obviously for at least for what you want to do now found your absolute passion and you're obviously doing very well coming off a graduate scheme early going on to different roles and now you're in a very new exciting role which I wish you all the best of luck for and Thanks. so Maria, thank you so much for being on Help I'm in My Twenties today. It's been lovely to speak to you. No, it's been so lovely to speak to you too. And um, yeah, you've probably given me a bit of time for reflection and learnings as well. <laughs> so no, thank you so much for having me. That's thank you so much, Maria Jackson. And I'm so sorry that my internet cut out halfway through, so I had to change to a new location, so I'm also sorry about the change in sound. 
I love talking to Maria. She was so reflective on her experiences, what she's learned, and also how she's going to add value in her roles. I think that's such a great thing to remember. And similar to a quote I saw recently on LinkedIn, you get paid to add value, not for the hours you work. I think that's so important to remember and that Maria completely embodies that as well. I also really enjoyed hearing her talk about introversion and how she's learned to build relationships quickly with each job rotation or job change that she's experienced. If you like this episode, please subscribe to hear more and like and comment, maybe even share it with your network, which would be extremely appreciated. If you'd like to get in touch or be a guest in my next series, please email help.twenties.podcast at gmail.com. I'm Georgie and thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Help, I'm in my 20s. See you next time. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us.